Hello all, and welcome back to another episode of the Strategic Whimsy Experiment. My name is Jennifer Hahn. And I'm Sarah Callen. And the Strategic Whimsy Experiment is a weekly gathering place filled with conversations about the films that shape our lives. Today, we are going to be reviewing the newest Disney film, Encanto. All right, Sarah, you're going to kick us off with an IMDb summary for Encanto. Sure. A young Colombian woman has to face the frustration of being the only member of her family without magical powers. All right. And in sweet tradition, our one-sentence summaries. Mine is Extreme Makeover, Disney Edition. (laughs) Nice. Yes, that's very accurate. It gets glowed up by the end. (laughs) Well, and at first the thought came with Antonio's room. Because it made me think of like on Extreme Makeover oh. Home Edition, when they would like renovate these homes, a kid would be like, yeah, like, I guess I kind of like horses. And then like they would make their entire room <laughs> into a stable. And so I just wondered like, how is this going to age for Antonio? Like, I'm not sure. So that was where the one sentence summary began. And then the house is completely worked. glammed up at the end. So then yes. I had to go with it. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. My summary is a story made for everyone, but especially Enneagram 3s. Ooh, yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. Yes. This is speaking some truth to my soul. <laughs> yep. Okay, so let's start off with our initial thoughts of Encanto. Yeah, yeah. This is um, I mean, it's a it's a fun movie. The the music is solid, the the animation is beautiful. Um as I've just been kind of reflecting on this this film, I've really just been struck that like Disney produces such high quality films, and this just fits squarely into that. You know, I, I don't think that it's the the greatest Disney film ever, but it's it's they know how to make movies, and you can see that clearly here. Um, what I what I did really love about this is some of the 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 larger themes that it tackles and i think that this film has a lot to say about um like our our world today and and how we interact with one another and what our responsibilities are with family and community and things like that that i think are very very interesting especially being uh an american in a very very individualistic society so i think that there's some interesting things um there but i mean it's it's a fun time they they know how to make a good movie and it's a good time and yeah, it's great. Yeah, this is really solid, really solid. I'm always floored every time I watch a Disney or a Pixar movie and just how much they tackle real human truths that no matter what age you are, resonate in some capacity. Um, it's really impressive the way they're able to weave these themes in together um, that just – that. I think speak to every human being on earth, regardless of what age you are. So I'm always floored by the Disney's ability to move me and to make me feel all the feels. Um, They're really great at that. They have a lot of charisma in that. Um, I've especially loved the theme of this movie that I'm sure we'll dive into more around um, not being defined or finding your identity in what you do and your gift as they talk about in this movie. Um, And I love that we get to see that 
expressed through not only our main character, which is what I would have expected, you know, traditionally what we get, but also through some of the side characters. We see the more complex relationships that the other characters have with their own um, skill sets and abilities and what that means for their own sense of worth. And all of those nuances, I thought the film landed really, really well. So overall, like this was a really fun time. Um, the music was was really energizing. I'm thinking back to like other movies that we've seen uh, lately from Disney that have had um, this level of just like musical caliber. I mean, Lin Manuel Miranda did a fantastic job. So overall, very very strong, very strong movie. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And and all of the characters are so endearing. And and I was really struck by the fact that this is kind of in that tradition of not having an antagonist. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that that's really powerful. You know, I, I am always ready for a good antagonist. Like, yeah. yes, well-written villains are excellent. But I, th- I think that there's so much value in stories like this, where it's just, you're just fighting against, you know, time or you're fighting against you know whatever it is um and she just has to solve problems in this Mm -hmm. basically and there's not some evil thing or evil person that she's fighting against it's just okay how do we solve this problem how do we how do we save the miracle as opposed to how do I defeat this or battle this and I I think there's a lot of value to that especially because we live in such an like us versus them world so having stories like this, uh, especially for kids, I, I would imagine will be really, really valuable in helping to shape how they view relationships. And um, yeah, it doesn't need to be us versus them. There doesn't need to always be a bad guy. Uh, but we just, we do what we can to solve problems and make things better. And that's such a worthy, such a worthy message to try and communicate. That's a really interesting point that I hadn't thought about, the lack of a, a traditional villain or antagonist in this in this film and and I think it better well it, it for for children at least I hope it creates a more human view that they can translate from the screen to their their own lives and their relationships because really the the challenges that uh, are being solved through this movie are human relationships and mending uh uh bringing unity and uh, dispelling division or miscommunication between people in a community and people that love each other. And that's a much more um, human-centered view of how all of us are operating in society together versus a children, a child watching um, like a movie with an antagonist and trying to like type people in their lives or whatever. You know what I mean? Like seeing the world through that lens, like you mentioned of us versus them. Um, can be detrimental. I hadn't thought about that. That's a really interesting point. Mm-hmm. And and I think that goes along with, you know, I I I think one of the main themes of this film is about, you know, serving one another, and that you know the gifts that we that we have, they're not just for us, but they're to help other people. Um, and, and I think just that that ethos of we're not just out for ourselves. And and so I think the the lack of an antagonist really really goes toward making that point even even more clear of we're just 
we're here to to help one another. Our gifts are not our own. And of course, that can go to an unhealthy extreme, which we see in the film. But there's also the really healthy version of we can serve one another and we can help one another. Yeah, I was surprised at the time that we get with two, primarily two of the the supporting characters, two of the sisters in this family, and their relationship to their abilities and skill sets that they've been given. Um, they get whole songs where they get to share their their experiences and their um, challenges and finding a lot of their identity and and what they have been kind of praised for um louisa's especially i think was the most was, is really memorable in my mind because you see again and again when she is unable to lift things how much she feels uh crushed by that no pun intended um <laughs> you know like that 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 the way that that affects her um was painted in such a a real way and i think this is one of those uh moments that um and things that Disney does really well, which is like there's these moments that are for the adults watching the movie with their child. Um, you know, kids might find it funny to see her like picking up five donkeys and singing and whatnot, and they might not get the full extent of it. But gosh, as a as a real adult human that's older and deals with these these ideas of like identity and worth and whatnot, um, the movie had plenty of moments for for the adults watching as well. Oh yeah, absolutely. I I was also pretty pretty shocked at how how much time we spend with a lot of the other characters. You know, uh obviously Mirabelle is our our main character who we follow, but we get to spend extended time with her two sisters and her uncle and um I I didn't expect it to be that well-rounded and and have so many personalities uh kind of fighting to understand not only their place in the family and their community but how they were to use their gift um and and even um abuela's admission of like yes. oh wow yeah no i put unhealthy expectations on you guys and and i think that that was super that i mean at least for me i was very very shocked that the movie went in that direction where she really she really owned that and then helped uh presumably to to do things differently in the future and i think shoot as another adult who is grappling with with concepts like you are not what you do <laughs> is uh that was just really really satisfying to to hear and to to see that nope we we are not what we do and and we don't have to be we are not the sum of our gifts either. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. man, what a great message. I really wish that I would have known this stuff as a kid uh, <laughs> and maybe wouldn't have to be learning these as a full adult. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, I'm, I'm right there with you. Um, and I, I love the time that the, the movie also gives to Abuela's backstory. And yes. it's, it's so empathetic in that way that we as the viewers are able to understand her past experiences and really like her desire to protect the miracle and these gifts. It it comes from such a pure place. And, um, you know, the, the way that she has lost her home in the past and lost people in her lives in the past, like it, it, 
explains a lot of why she is so um, protective of this home, the casita that's been built and um, the gifts that keep that community alive and, and thriving. And while that has sometimes gone a little too far and had negative negative effects on folks in her family, you as the viewers are able to see and understand and empathize. And so um, it's just a really empathetic way to talk about a character and um, and the things that she, she is able to admit as well. I think you alluded to this is um, she's able to own up and apologize. That is a beautiful thing to be modeled in a movie that we need more of as well. Mm-hmm. And I, and I just loved that even after that, uh, when Abuela is taking responsibility, then Mirabelle responds by encouraging her and affirming her. And she says, we were saved because of you. And so this acknowledgement of like, yeah, you, you did some things wrong and, and you, you messed up, but also like you did so much good. And, and I think even that duality uh, is, is important for us to be able to hold those two things at one time. You know, we can, we can make the best decisions that we can in the moment. Um, and sometimes the, the results are good. Sometimes they're bad, but most of the time they're a mix of, of both. And we, we can own that and, and just keep moving forward. So, and it was also just cool to see like a granddaughter uh, affirming her grandmother. Like, I, I feel like we don't often get to see that kind of dynamic in a film. So that was also just really refreshing to see um, these generations of women just kind of like pouring into each other. And obviously, Mirabelle knows that this is her grandmother, she's respecting her, but also she knows that sometimes you even have to affirm people who are older than you and wiser than you. Yeah, like that that human to human connection is there regardless of age or family structure or whatnot. Like in that moment, that's what Abuela needed and she was able to provide that. So true. Um one of the main themes of the movie is this idea of Mirabelle's gift, or as we learn at the beginning, her lack of a gift. Um, there's been lots of buzz around like what does that actually mean? And the fact that, spoiler alert, um, there isn't a gift in the way that we think of it that she receives at the end. I would argue that she had a gift and it wasn't explicit mm-hmm. and magical and whatnot. Yeah. Um, but I'm curious your thoughts or interpretations of the way that the movie handled that that plot line. Yeah, no, no, I thought it was super interesting um, that especially when – when uh, the casita is kind of crumbling and all of the people with powers, they, they're losing their powers and, and they can't do anything to, to help save the, the, the magic candle or whatever. Um, and they're being like kind of kicked out of the casita. And Mirabelle is the only one who's able to go in there. It was, it was kind of in that moment, like, oh, her, her normalcy is actually a gift in and of itself and the fact that she didn't get you know magic like everybody else in some ways developed this like grit and resiliency and heart in her that I think was also a gift um but then I also loved the the symmetry between her and Abuela because Abuela also 
doesn't have a gift, really. She just, the, the casita appeared and then her children had gifts. And so I, I loved that symmetry of grandmother and granddaughter having what might appear to be no gift, but actually they have this great gift within them to to care for others and this special connection with Casita and and just the magic in general. And so yeah, their their gifts, their magic looked a little bit different, but it didn't make it any less uh important. Yeah, I completely agree. I love that this movie didn't give her a gift at the end. Oh yeah, for sure. I kept, you know, as the there's this I mean, I think it's a it's a big uh a source of momentum and engagement in the beginning of the film is like that that moment when she in the first song I think um, we find out she doesn't have a gift I think I literally gasped audibly I was like oh, she doesn't have a gift because they're singing all about all her family members and all the cool things that they can do and you're mm-hmm. waiting you're just yep. it's building up and you're waiting to find out hers um, and I was wondering and I was hoping they wouldn't go the route of she hasn't gotten her gift yet, but later on through some grand adventure, you know, um, after she mm-hmm. faces it, works hard for it, she gets like yeah. the biggest gift of all. Um, that's the most powerful. And I love that she never gets a gift in the traditional sense. Um, and that her gift ultimately is her ability to be a uniter. And that starts with her being able to empathize and be compassionate with the people um, in her community. And it's almost because she didn't have this, this gift explicitly to serve in a certain way, she's able to observe and be around lots of different types of people and, um, kind of understand people a little bit more because she's not, she's not busy serving in the traditional sense Mm -hmm. or providing Mm -hmm. in that way, but she's able to watch and be, uh, just part of the community. And that is, Ultimately, I think her source of um, strength that she's able to bring that maybe not no one else in the family was able to bring. Even when we see her first uh, meet Bruno and just that that empathetic way she and compassionate way she approaches him and not out of fear or anything else, which she she's heard this, um, you know, uncle that's been ostracized. Like she isn't totally unafraid and is just so open-hearted and connecting with him. So I love that the movie ends with her not getting a gift at all. And I think the the final song or one of the final songs implies that like the miracle is you, like the gift is herself and the way that she was wired. And um, that was a really beautiful message. I thought they landed that really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, and just her ability to think outside the box, you know, all of these other characters, they have this very, very specific gift. So they have to like live inside this box, basically. And because she has no gift, she's able to have that freedom for creative thinking and ingenuity and all of these other things that we, we really value, uh, which mm-hmm. are all gifts in and of themselves as well. That's so true. That's so true. Yeah. And I love that at the end, the whole community comes together and they're singing about how they all don't have a gift, but they are in it together and they are uh, able to be this small part of a larger community and serve in their specific way. 
Yes, that honestly, when when the the casita was in like ruins and they were like, oh my gosh, how are we going to rebuild? And then there's that shot of like the whole community coming. I was like, that is the coolest thing ever. (laughs) And they're all working together and operating and just like ready to serve. Mm -hmm. And also just like what a, what a testament, you know, like this family had been so intentional to serve for so long and, and, so intentional to create this community and then when they needed it the most then the community was there to give back to them and so it's just this beautiful reciprocity and like I mean obviously you don't like give in a transactional way to get back but you know when you're truly in community like that 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 beauty of reciprocity and the continual giving to one another is just so beautiful. And I love that this film was able to capture that magic and that that beauty in a really practical and, and tangible way. Yeah, you felt how down and low this family was at rock bottom. And you too felt that like warming of your heart when you saw them in the distance. Um, yeah, that was really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Good job, community. Way to come through. <laughs> yes. The one thought that I had about the ending is that I almost wish the magic didn't come back and that they yes. would somehow imply like they don't need the magic to be connected and to be with each other. Like their magic is their love for each other and their connection and their community and that they didn't really need the magic all along. I think that would have been cool. Mm-hmm. Yep. I had the same thought. I I hoped that they were going in that direction and clearly they did not go in that direction. But I, I think in in a lot of ways that could have been a more powerful message. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think, at least from like a visual perspective, that would have maybe been a harder sell. Yeah. But I, I, I think as far as messaging goes and, and also because the themes of this film we're so leading up to that. Uh, yes. I, I really wish they would have seen it all the way through. Mm-hmm. There's one of the the like visual uh, storytelling pieces that I really loved in this movie was the cracks in the casita and how yeah. that was this representation of the cracks in the family, right? And uh, Mirabelle was really like kind of digging with her family to reveal some of those cracks so that they could heal them and bring them to light and bring back Bruno and um, bring to light some of these like buried feelings that her sister Isabella was feeling, like, all of these things she was able to bring to the surface so that they could really rebuild. Um, and I thought that could have been a really interesting ending to say like they built this casita together and they don't need the magic anymore. Because the first time the casita was built, it was from the candle and the magic and whatnot, but no, they've, they've built this together. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it's, it's togetherness leads to magic. Maybe. I don't know. Oh, yes. I, I guess that's the way that I, I would interpret it is yeah. Coming together and then magic happens. Woo-hoo. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, There's one little like visual thing that I thought was really cool that I think also fits in line with that theme in the ending, which is that all of those individual 
doors for each of the family mm-hmm. members that represented their gifts were no longer of them. It was like some abstract glittering thing. And that front door is them together. And um, I thought that was a really smart visual choice too. Like it doesn't matter all of them individually and what their gifts were. It's that they've come together now. And that is the transformation that we see over the course of the movie happen in a visual way. I thought that was really neat. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that brings up another point of this film that I really, really loved with that, which is that everybody lived in that house together. You know, I, I I think for so long, there's been this idea of like, when you turn 18, then like you move out of the house and you're an independent and you're on your own and like all of these things, but that's not always healthy, nor is it always feasible. And so I just, I loved that we got to see this here, this whole family living in this house together and we get to see family dinners and their interactions with each other and, and all of these things. And I, I thought that that was such a beautiful example of, um, you know, kids don't need to leave the house right away. In fact, sometimes it's healthier if they do stay for a little while. And, and there's also such beauty in uh, multiple generations living under one roof. And, and so I think there was just so much richness in that we got to see the family kind of expand uh, as opposed to one little branch kind of like fracturing off and like being independent of everybody else. It's just such a different way of, of thinking about family um, in these kind of films. You know, I, I feel like we don't have as much representation of like multiple generations under one roof and the beauty of, of family really sticking close together. And so this was just a a fun little example of what that could look like. Which is also one of the benefits of telling diverse stories, right? Is that we can showcase different ways that cultures view constructs like family structures um, and how we get to see that at play. And also, you know, Abuela being the matriarch of this family was really really exciting to see as well. Um, I was thinking a lot about In the Heights and how um, that matriarchal family structure and community uh, was depicted in that movie as well. And we see some of the same themes in this one. And um, yeah, just one one of the great parts of being able to tell more diverse stories is we get to see different perspectives and windows into other, other worlds and other cultures' way of doing things. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I love that this film is set in Colombia, and a lot of the actors are, were either born in Colombia or they're like Colombian American or, or something like So they have some relation to Colombia, which is just finally so fun. <laughs> yes, <laughs> finally, we've done it. Yes. So I'm just like, wow, the intentionality behind that is mm-hmm. so special. And and I hope that we see more of that. You know, it's not just like, oh, let's find some, you know, Latin actors. Like, no, if this is set in Colombia, let's find people who either they are from mm-hmm. Colombia or their family is from Colombia. And that's just so important. Oh, yeah. Good job, Disney. Yeah. Yeah. Especially for um, an animated movie where it's mostly voice acting, like the the additional level of intentionality when they easily could have swapped it out or whatnot um, is really great. Really, really great to see. On that related note is 
the light and dark skin diversity that we see yes. in this movie of all the side characters too mm-hmm. and just different um, facial features and hair types. We just – I love that they were intentional and even all the, like the little kids running around in the streets or the background uh, townspeople, like all of that was was done with an intentional eye as well. And I love that even in the the family, I, I love that uh, Peppa had lighter skin and red hair, and her two siblings had a little bit darker skin and and dark hair, and and so how there's even this diversity of sometimes skin tone and hair color within families themselves, and I mean, you rarely see that in a film, and so I I didn't expect that in a Disney movie, but I'm I'm really glad that that they showed that diversity as well. Yeah, I was thinking a lot about um, In the Heights and some of the uh, feedback that that film got around um, showing primarily a lot more a majority of light-skinned people when that area of New York is generally darker-skinned. And so it was was interesting to see the way that this film approached it with a, a lot more of an intentional lens to showcase the full diversity and spectrum. You also see a lot of diversity in the different type of musical styles, which we haven't gotten to talk about mm-hmm. yet. Um, each of the songs had like a different a rhythm and uh, beat and all that kind of stuff. I am, I don't, I'm less familiar with Columbia music and whatnot. So I'm sure there's a lot more nuance that I'm not picking up on, but just like off the cuff being able to see and hear the different musical styles was neat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and how every character, I mean, they had such different personalities, but they had such different sounding songs as well, um, which it could, it probably would have been so much easier to, to not make them as diverse musically as they were, but it just added such a richness uh, to the whole film. And the, the one that particularly struck me was, um, the the song that played when we got the flashback of Abuela's life and the fact that it was in Spanish, which I don't speak, and yet I was able yeah. to to feel so much in that moment. And I, I love, 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 love that that song was not in English. And I, I think that intentional choice really enhanced everything, but it also helped, you know, primarily English speakers like me, uh, Remember that even if you don't understand the language, you can still understand the emotion and what it's trying to communicate. And it's still beautiful, even if you can't fully grasp the meaning of every single word. So that song just, it got me right in the feels, which I was not expecting. Yeah. And especially not knowing what they were singing about either, but that, you know, that the way that music is a universal language is perfectly depicted on that. I thought it was also interesting that they didn't um, put subtitles uh, that were kind of like built into yeah. the movie itself too. You know, I, I think um, I'm thinking about Shang-Chi and obviously there's a lot more exposition um, in the opening like 15 minutes of that movie and they they did have subtitles, but I, w- I was waiting for subtitles and I was like, oh, they're not putting them on there. I kind of love that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And you, you didn't miss anything. No. Nope. No. Nope. Yep. Exactly. I mean, it's a something that I, we, we touched briefly on in our Eternals episode, and it's slightly different in this context, but we often 
watch movies about other cultures, but everyone is speaking English, you know? And and that mm-hmm. song uh, and the lack of subtitles is almost this reminder, acknowledgement that, hey, this is this is about truly a culture that is speaking uh, not in English. And it, it almost displaces our like um, English or American-centric mindsets about um, the way the world operates because language is, is can be if it's such a differentiator between cultures and for those that um, speak languages like other other languages around the world they often are learning English and so we get the privilege of being able to communicate with a lot of different people from other cultures but it's because they've they've learned our language you know so uh, mm-hmm. that song felt like such a little reminder and nudge like hey don't forget oh yeah yeah and we 1000% need those reminders so I I love that that this film and and it did it in little ways you know it's it it wasn't this like big like we're gonna do this in Spanish and you guys are just gonna have to follow along you know it was in these little subtle ways that perfectly Mm -hmm. integrated uh, with the film. And I also love that, like, kind of like peppered throughout, there are also these inside jokes um, for people who are Colombian and and just these little things that me, as a white American English speaker, uh, I'm just not going to catch. And that's okay. And that's really, really fun that, that those little things are in there um, for other people to feel even more connected to the film uh, than maybe I do. Yeah. Yeah, completely agree. Uh, one thing that you alluded to as well that um, I think we can we can dive into is like the 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 quickness and the wittiness in in the songs and the lyrics. I think made me think a lot about and reminded me a lot of like classic Disney in their like golden era. Aladdin's the one that immediately comes to mind because yeah. the lyrics in those songs are just so smart. And I think this movie is not at that level, but we get a little taste of it in this movie. And that was really delightful to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I really loved the quickness. I, I wasn't expecting it. Like, I mean, I've, I've had friends tell me like how good the soundtrack is, but I, I still wasn't expecting it to be as witty lyrically as it is. And there are just these fun little flourishes um, that I wasn't expecting. Uh, and it again, it just it just made it even more interesting. You know, there's like the typical Disney standard of excellence, and then there are these fun little flourishes that Encanto has uh, that kind of set it apart in some ways and and give it its own, you know, personality. You know, it, it has the Disney standard of quality, um, but it's also its own and it's telling its own story in its own way and those little uh lyrical moments of brilliance uh really help help it be set apart from some of the other films yeah i agree i felt that same same feeling and couldn't put my finger on it but i think it's that it this this movie feels like it has a little bit more of a pep in its step than uh, yeah. maybe some of the more recent uh, Disney animated movies that we've gotten. It's got a, um, more energy, not just set piece wise, but it, it's it's quick in a way that I think other other um, of the more recent animated movies aren't. You know, I think a lot about the the sequence with Bruno and 
everything from his facial expressions and his comments, like there's just, there's a lot to take in and, um, the older Disney movies were kind of like that, you know, there's, there's so much to be Mm -hmm. stimulated by both lyrically, visually, um, cognitively. And this movie is almost capturing some of that same, same energy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I think this is one that you could easily watch again and like catch all of those, those little things, especially because the, the songs and some of the back and forths, they're just so quick. So like, you're just dropped into this world. You're getting to know these characters. You're learning names. You're learning about this world. And you're having to take in all of this information in these songs. And so I, I think this is one, if you were to watch again, you'd pick up a lot of little things, which, like you said, is is also a characteristic of some of the, you know, the, the I don't know, the movies that we grew up with, honestly. Um, so that's just fun to return to. You know, I, I think you're mm-hmm. right. Yeah. Like thinking about some of the the more recent Disney films that we we reviewed, like Luca didn't have anything like that. Raya didn't have anything like that. You know, those were, well, Raya especially was a really good movie, but mm-hmm. it didn't have that that wittiness and it didn't have mm-hmm. that that forward leaning momentum that, that Encanto has. You know, mm-hmm. it, it feels like you are you know, on a, on a speeding train, uh, within Kanto in the best way possible. It doesn't feel rushed. It's definitely paced appropriately, but you know that you are moving somewhere and you are moving somewhere with intention at a very quick pace. And it's, it's just fun to be along for the ride. Yep. Yep. I I totally agree. I mean, from the beginning of this movie, it sucks you in and grabs your attention like from (laughs) the first song. You're taking in all the family members and all their different gifts. And you're left with this question, like, what is Mirabelle's gift? Why didn't she get a gift? And that just kind of sucks you in and propels you on for the rest of the the journey that we get to go on. The other thing that I uh, think I felt different, was was different and distinguished in this movie compared to the other more recent Disney animated movies was the cinematography. I was surprised by how um artistic and well used the the shot sh- designs were for this for for this movie um the one that really comes to mind is the whole sequence where she is going up to bruno's um in in his world mm-hmm. and she's going up mm-hmm. to find the vision and just the way that they shoot uh her going up the stairs and her arm like popping up at the top for the, some of these like visual playful moments and then you know the the reveal that she's on the edge of this cliff and there's a lot of um engagement that we have emotionally and and there's these beats almost that happen visually because of the cinematography so i feel like all of that um was done really well and probably also contributes to the way that this movie feels like it's got a lot of buzzing energy and forward momentum because within like a 5 minute scene like my emotions are in every direction. Like I'm, I'm on the adrenaline rush. I'm exhausted. I'm, um, you know, all of, all of these emotions and they, they did that really well. And I think it's also a, a testament to, to the writing too. I, I'm going to connect the dots between cinematography and writing, I promise. But I, I think it's just the brilliance of choosing these gifts and choosing how to represent them visually you know like 
Um, ah, yeah. See, seeing the future, like, okay, that I mean, we've we've seen superhero movies. We know that this is a thing, but I I never would have thought to display it in that way, and to you know the the sand and the hourglass, but then also the the sand combines to to develop this these glass pictures, and so you can see these different textures um, that I never would have thought to visually represent uh, seeing the future. And similarly, Isabella's gift of, you know, growing plant life. You know, I, I never would have thought of that as a gift, never in a million years. But then visually, it was so, so interesting. And I, I loved that moment between Isabella and uh, Mirabelle of, uh, when when she first creates the cactus, and then everything changes visually. She changes, but also everything she's creating becomes so much more interesting. And I I just think that this this was a great example of the writing being so on point that then allowed this really really cool creativity to to come out in the way that it was animated and the way that uh, it was brought to us on screen. That is very true. Yeah. And and the way that the the gifts or powers that each family member is given is also tied to the the personality or archetype or stereotype that they represent, right? Like Louisa's gift being her strength. Um, we see almost mm-hmm. those those, you know, lies of toxic masculinity or whatever. Like she feels the pressure to to carry the burdens and and bury her feelings and keep on this tough guise um, for the people around her. And then when she begins to lose her gift, we see that uh, more emotional side of her finally able to come out. But, um, you know, that that is so resonant with uh, some of the, the challenges that real humans face in, in, in real, reality that are that are so interconnected. Same thing with Isabella as well. Like, she creates all these beautiful flowers. And so she feels the pressure to be this like super feminine and um, uh, perfect uh, girl for her grandmother. And when she creates that cactus, we see her finally able to let out that more artistic, edgy side of her. And those stereotypes and those powers are so intertwined together for these characters. And I thought that was, that was really cool. I hadn't thought about that until you brought that up, but um, even down to that that level of detail, they they really nailed it. Mm-hmm. Man, Encanto is just smashing stereotypes left and right, and I am here for it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep, yep, exactly. Uh, I was surprised to learn that the "We Don't Talk About Bruno" song is apparently wildly popular right now. I think it <laughs> yeah. has even surpassed uh, Let It Go from Frozen, which who thought anything would surpass that song? Um, but and, – and then one of the interesting factors that I think um, some of the articles were talking about is the connection to social media and TikTok and these creators being able to take many different snippets from the song and make these short 15 to 20 second videos um, that play with the the musical sounds and also the like lyrics in interesting ways and how 
somehow this We Don't Talk About Bruno song just has a like, whole variety for people to choose from. And so it's been able to like blow up because of TikTok. Like that, that just is a connection point that I never thought would be made. Like this video social media platform uh, getting – and these video creators being so inspired from the song that came from a Disney animated children's movie. You know, like – we are living in different times these days. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we really, really are. And uh, I, I have a friend and she has been obsessing over this particular little factoid that that we don't talk about Bruno has just, I mean, it's it's on the top of like billboard charts and stuff. And it's like Amazing. massively popular, even on like the radio. And mm-hmm. like of all the songs in this film... <laughs> That is not the one that I would have picked, you know, to to be this like meteoric rise in popularity. And so I I think it's just another one of those uh, reminders that in a lot of ways we're kind of living in the Wild West, you know. Um, Social media is still a relatively new phenomenon and it is constantly evolving and uh, we never know what's going to happen next with it. Mm -hmm. And it's... It's impacting us as people, but it's also impacting society as a whole in ways that that we don't know. And mm-hmm. I don't know. It's it's just interesting to be on this this ride as this constant innovation and advancement is is happening right before our eyes, and mm-hmm. we don't know what's going to happen. And yeah, and we don't we can hardly predict what will catch fire and what won't. And it'll be it's interesting to think about the ways that potentially someone discovering this song from TikTok and then playing it and then watching the movie that would have never picked this movie to watch on their own, you know, and like how that creates mm-hmm. a new channel to, to reach people or to market a, a piece of art is pretty interesting to think about. Yeah. Wild. Yeah. From a marketing perspective, like, wow, I, I think <laughs> all of our traditional funnels are broken. You know, like there was such a streamlined and linear way of marketing anything. And now, I mean, it's this nebulous web of all of these different platforms and all of these different avenues. And you never know which one is actually going to perform. Oh, man, I'm really glad that I'm not in marketing. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Uh, Yeah. And I think the other, I think social media related thought that I had during this movie was, you know, in the opening first 20 minutes where Mirabelle feels very ordinary compared to the people that she sees in her life with these like extravagant gifts and abilities. And I just wonder how many young people today are constantly seeing these like big personalities on social media and feeling very ordinary. Like I, I related a lot to Mirabelle. Like we're just, we, we don't have these big flashy talents. Um, you know, I think social media and media in general gave rise to this like cult of personality and, and being big and flashy. And she's very ordinary in a lot of ways. And I think that, I hope that it's relatable for young people watching this movie and that they ultimately can see that they're still valuable and celebrated and that they are still a miracle just the way that they are and the way that they've been wired um, is beautiful in and of itself. They don't need these big, big 
you know, character traits or personalities to be worth something. And that, I think that's a really important message in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and even like down to things like, like all the filters and stuff, you know, like young girls on, on Instagram feeling like they, I don't yeah. know if teenagers are using Instagram. Honestly, it's probably only old people now, but you know, <laughs> using these filters to, to try and make themselves beautiful and they feel ugly unless they have a filter on and, and just things like that, where we're augmenting, not just our personality, but how we look in order to be accepted on, on social media. So even though, you know, it's not an outright moral in this, this film, it does go a long way in that reminder of just be you. And, you know, I, I love that Mirabelle is not the most put together. She's kind of rough around the edges, but, um, she is, she has such good qualities and she is just such a, an, an empathetic person, a uniter, all the things that we talked about. Um, and so it's really that like what's inside of you is and who you are is more important than what you do or, or how you look. Uh, and so hopefully that's a message that really keeps getting out there. Cause I mean, honestly, kids need it, but so do we as adults. Yeah, we need it too. <laughs> yeah. Because a lot of the, the, most beautiful traits about Mirabelle can't be seen. Whereas, you know, like she's looking around her and all these big flashy things around her are all gifts that can be seen. And that must feel disheartening for her. And you, you, they, they give a little bit of time to show that she feels that. But by the end, you see all of what's in her come out in the right moments at the right time. It's not flashy. It can't be seen, but it is expressed and it is valued and it is healing for this family. So yes, we love that theme of this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's so satisfying to, to have a, uh, an almost subtle protagonist, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's so satisfying because I, I think a lot of times we, we mix up that, like the big and the flashy, like that's what's effective, but you know, so often it's actually the the, the subtle, the, the hard work, the unpretty things that are actually the most uh, effective. And we really see that in, in Mirabelle's personality and all she's able to accomplish by just being her and doing the hard stuff. And wow, she saves the family and she saves the magic mm-hmm. and she saves the house and saves the community. Like, wow, that's just a good day. Yeah, yeah, it's so true. And, and we get to see that moment um, where she she's able to let that shine. She doesn't know she's shining, but we get to see it shine when she uh, talks to her little brother, who's about to receive his gift and and have that whole ceremony. And um, you know they're crouched under the bed, and she's just she's so able to be in tune with with where he's at and his emotions, and read him and be able to respond in a way that he feels seen and heard. Um, and that he's not lost in this big family. Like she's able to just um, connect with him so deeply in that little scene. And it happens so early. And it happens after she's, you know, gone through all the gifts and she's like feeling down about the fact that she doesn't have one. And then you're like, oh man, like this is this is your gift that we get to see that she just doesn't get to see in herself yet. Not yet. Mm-hmm. And I just, I love the fact that she is, um, like that's a really hard day for her because the 
the last time they went through this was when she didn't get her gift. And so now we're on the cusp of um, Antonio going into this ceremony. And I'm sure she was feeling all the feels and all the insecurities and probably just wanted to go like hide away by herself somewhere. Um, But instead, she chooses to encourage him and just be kind to him when she was probably wrestling through some big emotions herself. So that just, again, it says so much about her character. Um, and again, it's, it's that, it's that showing, not telling. And that is what is the most impactful in a, in yes. a movie, in a story. Yes, that's so true. Cause we get that, those few little flashback moments where she's remembering kind of the, the humiliation and the shame from her day. And she's, she's, experiencing those but choosing to put them aside so she's able to be with her little brother mm-hmm. it's so a good. big deal yeah <laughs> she's a really yeah. great character yeah <laughs> she really is so good all right any other last thoughts about Encanto uh yeah I just I love that Mirabelle has glasses uh Oh, when she first uh, popped up, the first time we see her, she's little and she's still wearing glasses. And it just it made me think I started wearing glasses when I was like seven and I I was so little. (laughs) Honestly, I read too much and it jacked up my eyesight and it became super nearsighted. (laughs) That's why. But um, so I was like seven when I started wearing them. And I remember when I first got them, like I felt so much shame because I was the only kid that I knew who wore glasses. I didn't know anybody else with them. And I was certain that I would be like mocked or made fun of or whatever. I wasn't, but I was so nervous about them. And so I just, I thought like, wow, any little kids today who wear glasses, who might feel nervous about it, they can see a character Mm -hmm. who is their age, who is this like strong protagonist, you know, saves the day. And she wears glasses too. So they wouldn't need to feel like nervous or insecure or whatever uh, about their glasses. And I just, I love that they made that, that choice. It's such a small thing, but I know like little Sarah would have been Mm. really, really impacted to see that. So good job, guys. <laughs> I love that you called that out. Yeah, that is so true. I hadn't thought about that one. And she's so cute. The little baby version of her so with her little cute. glasses. Gosh, those big so glasses endearing. on her little face. Yeah. It's literally perfect. <laughs> it's really cute. All right. Well, this was our review and discussion of Encanto. You can find it available on Disney+. Plus. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Strategic Whimsy Experiment. This podcast is fueled by our passion for stories and connection and is something we continue to do each week solely because we love it. This is our Strategic Whimsy Experiment, and we encourage you to find a way to infuse whimsy into your day. You can subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you tune into your favorite shows. Drop us a review letting us know your thoughts about Encanto. Uh, you can connect with us on Instagram at Strategic Whimsy Experiment, on Twitter at Strategic Whimsy, or you can email us at Strategic Whimsy Experiment at gmail.com. We will be back next week to finally get to discuss and review the film The French Dispatch. 
I know Sarah's very excited for this one. So excited. I'm so <laughs> ready. Honestly, I'm just going to gush about Wes Anderson for an hour, but uh, I'm pumped. I'm going to prepare myself. I'm, yes. Yeah. Prepare yourself because it's going to be excessive, but I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right. Well, we hope you all have an amazing week. We'll see you very soon.